how did you go from being a musician in Cork City, Ireland to now being basically a signed songwriter um, and working for a publishing company? Uh, yeah, it's, it's mad. I mean, it took years and years to get signed. I mean, um, I was in college in Cork for like four years um, just playing in like wedding bands, but I didn't even like perform my own music or anything like that. It was never like a focus for me to do my own artist project. And usually like that's all anyone really wants to do. But I just knew I wanted other people to sing my songs. I also can't really sing. So I suppose that that was a way of knowing. But um, but yeah, I just uh, the first person that I ever like got a response from was actually Kean Sweeney, A Thousand Beasts, the producer. And he gave me my first proper session and I just sent him some songs I wrote myself. And then he um he was just like, oh, let's get in the studio. And we got my friend Mary Beth. And then we did a song. And I think it was released within like two months, which never happens, by the way. So I was like, I just started off like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But then it, it took probably two years yeah. for the next song to come out. Yeah, crazy. How did you meet the company that signed you? And yeah, what was the transit? What was the kind of turning point there? Um, I suppose I when I first met Keen Ducrow, the very first day we met, we wrote mm -hmm. his song Crocodiles, which um, which he released. It was like his second song on the label, Dark Room, like Billie Eilish's label. It was this big, great thing. Um, and it was like really cool. And then it was just me and Keen who wrote it. So different managers saw that on Spotify. You can see like credits who wrote this. And my now manager reached out and I met him and I went to London. It was still like lockdown vibe. So I was based in Ireland, but then I'd go over to London for like two weeks here and there. And then I just met um, loads of different people, like managers. I did loads of different meetings. And one of the meetings was Plested's manager, but I had already gone with my manager, who I have now met at Red Light. Um, so he was like, oh, me and Plested want to start a publishing company. Are you open to that? And Plested is like one of the biggest songwriters in the UK wrote for like Louis Capaldi and David Guetta and Little Mix and everything. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like I idolized Plested anyway. So met him, wrote with mm -hmm. him. And then we, it just came about. Um, so their company is Songhouse and I'm the first signing there, but they're signed to Sony. So I met Sony with them. So it's like a joint venture. So I have best of both worlds. I have the big company and the small team. So very happy incredible oh my goodness so yeah. you were found on the credits on spotify with kian and approached then by that by your now that manager. manager yeah right but so so obviously that's an important piece of the puzzle but the other thing that like cannot be overlooked is that it's a brilliant song like it's such a wonderful ah. song tell me what you know about friends what's the point if it is never thought you'd be the one to And like Thank you, you just have, you do have to be good. Like you're genuinely yeah. really talented and really good. The other thing that I really admire about you is that you're very like personable. You're very fun to be around. Um, you're a good like <laughs> people's person, in my yeah. opinion. And so ha I imagine like, have you been very proactive in knocking on doors, trying to get into sessions um, and connecting with people? Because it's a very collaborative thing, what you're doing. Like, you're probably writing with people most of the time or with other artists. Yeah. Um, I mean, I that was literally like my bread and butter. I would just love 
finding out who wrote what song. There's this um, podcast, which like is my Bible. Um, and it really helped me learn about the industry. It's called And The Writer Is by Ross Golan. And it basically would be this big songwriter, Ross, would would pick uh, another big songwriter and they'd talk about their whole journey. And then I would be listening and they'd be like, oh, and then I met this person. And then I'd write down the name, follow them on Instagram. It might be an A&R producer or whatever. And then I would just DM them, send them the worst songs ever, by the way. So a lot of the time nobody replied. But I still followed them and was up to date with this person's work, with that person and all that. I actually love that part of it, which I think you do need to have a bit of, because if you don't do that, you're just going to be making songs in your bedroom. And there's people that are going to be way more talented than you that just don't have that kind of skill set. And they're just going to be staying in their bedroom then. I know. Oh my god! I see yeah, you, you have to. You actually have to just it. go knock on doors. Like it's crazy. Um, and luckily, mm-hmm. I just love doing that anyway. Um, yeah. So it was. It it came very easy to me. And as well, I think being Irish um, in London just gave me an extra thing because even if somebody didn't know my name, Bill Mabry, like they might have said, "Oh, I met that Irish fella who was in the session," or "Have you heard of that Irish lad?" So I definitely played into the whole Irish thing as well. Obviously. Oh, always, um, every time, always, all the yeah, time. I yeah. do it all. They just it works like a charm. Sound as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which we <laughs> are. Most everyone presumes we are. We are. We are yeah, sound. Yeah. But I'm just like yeah. I could be an asshole. But okay. <laughs> so funny. So that's gas. And but there must be times, obviously, when it's um up and down. Like you've been doing this for years. Um. Yeah. I'm sure there's times like this is not it, now it's your job but up until yeah. now you've probably you know you've been doing other jobs uh, like this isn't the norm in our friend groups either mm. like people mm-hmm. you're comparing yourself to your peers and going oh my god should I be doing something else have yeah. you thought about giving up or and and how have you just kept going and, and stuck with it yeah um, I think I'm obsessed with music like even when I was small I would get up so early in the morning to go in the car with dad dropping my older brothers and sisters down to the bus stop just so I could go and listen to my mp3 and it had like 10 songs in it even though I could have listened to my mp3 at home but I just loved listening to music anywhere that I could so I was just always loving music and I think that's first and foremost you just have to be obsessed with it like it like Mm -hmm. I just love it so much so that just really kept me going and then yeah people when I first did like music in college like I can remember friends being like Oh, are you sure you want to do that? You're not going to get a job out of it. And I was like, I will, because like you can get a job doing anything. You don't even need to go to college, you know, and especially what I'm doing now, you don't need to go to college, but it really helped me. Like Cork School Music was unbelievable. And I got such a good ear from it and like just having piano skills and all that. Um, So it is good to be able to do all that. And yeah, there is low points where it's like, okay, I didn't sign my deal till I was 26. And then like, other people might be like, oh, there's so much pressure and you have to you have to have earned so much a year or whatever. But I was just like, I'm going to get there. It's it's different for everybody. And you only have like one life. So why would I do it? Why would I waste it doing something I didn't want to do? You know, I know. Absolutely. Any any regrets or any um, mistakes that we can learn from? Right. I think the main one is thinking that your songs are amazing. So like I would think like when I was first writing songs, I would be like, oh my God, this song is amazing. And then you like, it just really wasn't. So it's like, if you can look back at songs and be like, oh, that's not great. Even if you think you're writing great songs now, 
don't be spending so much time on it and just get it out and just keep on going on to the next one because you'll keep writing better songs. But then like you might look back and it was like, oh, this month I was writing really great songs and blah, blah, blah. But I just think it like just keep going. I know it's a real numbers game, isn't it? It's about volume. Like, 100%, have you no- yeah. like noticed how much better you've gotten as a writer the more you've written? 100%. Like it's, it's, it's really cool because some days you're in with an artist, which is amazing. And then other days you have a pitch session, which is basically just loads of writers and producers. And we might get like a list from a label saying so-and-so is looking for a song that's a mix between this and that. And we try and write to that brief or we, else we just write a song that we love and try and land it um, somewhere. And that really helps you um, get creative and push boundaries and say, like nobody's going to take a seven out of 10 song. So you really have to do something really weird or whatever. And then when you are in with an artist, it makes you a better writer anyway, because you're like, oh, I did this kind of thing and I wasn't afraid to do it. I made the mistake of being like so attached to the same songs when I was like very early on. But that was before I co-wrote and stuff. Um, But I don't think it's ever a bad thing to reach out to anybody, even if they say this song sucks. Like literally um, Dua Lipa's producer, Ian Kirkpatrick, like in the height of like um, new rules and stuff. I remember I sent him my song and he replied saying this song sucks. But I did not care. I was just like, oh, my God, he yeah. replied to me. That's what I took. Whether somebody else might somebody else <laughs> might say, he said my song is bad. Oh, I so was like, this is sick. I was like, he's right there. If I have a good song in the future, he's still right there. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what it, that's it meant so for me. True. That's the way that I looked at it anyway. Like, I wasn't like, forget this guy. You know what I mean? I was like, OK, I just this is so doable totally doable and so was a lot of the networking like how much of the networking you've done has been like in person has been just online reaching out um and is one more way more probably being in person with people is way more effective Mm. uh but but yeah tell me about the uh, like the outreach that you've been doing and like have you made like really important connections like that just online Yeah. yeah um i definitely before I moved to London, I would just DM people. It's actually really funny because my whole team that I have now at Sony and my management and everything, I still have some screenshots of all these DMs or emails that I sent them, which none of them replied because I was bad, but it just showed like that I knew who to reach out to, um, which is really funny. I would just I would just DM everyone or email everyone. Um, and then when I came to London, then it got a lot easier because it would be like, or you can do a meeting before a session or after a session. And there's different like nights on in London. Like there might be three brand new artists playing a gig and then everybody will go to that gig. Um, Or I was even at a gig last night and one of the girls was, um, she hasn't signed yet. So there was loads of A&Rs and things there. So I was just connecting with them. And then it was like, oh, we should do, we should put a date in the diary. And even that is just like networking and making more work for myself. So yeah, I just, I just think the, like if you don't ask the answer is always no so you may as well just ask like yeah even if they say no you're already gone on to the next thing but like i struggle with starting conversations with like the shopkeeper i'm actually quite introverted like i'm fine in this setting but like i'm i'm like and i and i'm standing there in the train station sometimes being like i just want to talk to that person but i can't how do you like initiate the convo do you have 
just things that come to mind do you have like a plan of what you're going to say i know it's such a small Mm. trivial thing but that can be the big friction point for a lot of artists or people like me who are just scared to start a conversation Mm. um i suppose if you can link who you have in common is always a great way like if i saw saw somebody last night and i was like it was quite a big artist and i was like oh i know that he writes with Plested, who I'm signed to. So I was like, oh, by the way, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm signed to Plested. And then that got the conversation flowing and things like that. You know, if you have somebody that you can bring up or talk about or some some conversation starter, yes. obviously will lead to a conversation. Yeah. Whereas like if you're just going up saying, hi, I'm Bill. Like if there's nothing to say, there's nothing to say. Yes. Mindset of just being interested in the scene and in the people and in the music, yeah. which that just seems to come naturally to you. Yeah, I mean, I I just, I, I love that always. I think it's so, it's so fun. And as well, everybody that's in music has the same, they had to have had the same very first struggle of, can you make a career out of this? So you can relate to anybody that's in music or any kind of arts industry like that. Like from the very smallest part is the doubt or like, oh, but my parents would want me to do this or blah, blah. So you can relate to everybody, even if you live in completely different like countries or whatever it's if you choose to do this it's a bit mad it's a bit mental oh my god that's such a good piece of advice i think Mm. you can feel so removed when you meet like a superstar but they Mm. have gone through the same stages that you've gone through in terms of the doubt and the oh should i really be doing this and am i good enough Mm -hmm. and like we've way more in common than we think we do exactly and they're way more normal than you think they are as well yes i know yeah. they're just people yeah. just people amazing what does a typical week look like for you and the kinds of people that you might be working with every week i'll do maybe like monday to friday the odd time there'll be a saturday or like let's say there was a camp this week and they asked me could you come in on tuesday i already had a session tuesday so i did 10 to 3 in my first session in east london and then i went to west london and did like 4 to 10 and you just sometimes every week is different. And it's like, I went in with a focus because they were all artist sessions. I just want to get the song. You know what I mean? I just try and get the best out of them and see. I think as well, seeing as I don't have an artist project, um, it's really fun because that morning I was doing a drum and bass track, Tuesday morning. And then by the evening time, I was doing like an R&B five piece girl group. So like, it's just so fun. Keeps it interesting. I don't have to write the same thing all the oh time, which God. is really cool. Because there is so many different avenues in pop alone that it's like, it's just kept interesting. My artist could walk into a room and have somebody like you who's going to ask them the right questions, who's going to mm. be like, why, what do you mean by that? And, and where, does, where does that go? And, and giving them other options and having someone to bounce off. And we actually just started in our program, we started doing um, co-write, a co-write every Wednesday where they would Amazing. work or watch a professional co-writer and they can work with the co-writer or they can just watch the co-writer write with somebody else and just to see that process of teasing out an idea um that's cool oh my god that must be such a fun job Mm, it is (laughs) amazing totally and it must be about the chemistry between you and the artist as well right yeah yeah because the, the the safer somebody like feels in a room the more like outspoken you could be like if i if if you come in and if you're too like, oh, I own this room, then somebody might be afraid to speak up and then you might write a song that's nothing like them and they might be like, oh, it just wasn't really me because he wrote all the songs. You just have to be so like on board with the artist, I feel. 
I know and they need to feel safe with you like that they can yeah. be vulnerable and that they yeah. can you know make a mistake and and have a exactly. bad idea and have a good idea yeah, yeah. and it's even good so like you know I, I'll is... always try and make like that the mistakes in the room because it's like if it's a mistake we still know that it's wrong which is still right like the right thing to do rather than just be like yes. oh let's just try this one way even if the other way is bad or, like I'll still be like can we just see if this if this I think I'm wrong but can we just see it and if I'm wrong great I know I'm wrong you know what I mean whereas if I leave the room and we're done with the session I might be like oh what if we did that instead so it, it's right. always good to be wrong too totally to just explore all the avenues yeah very cool what do you you know an artist walk like what's the best way I can prepare an artist to walk into a session like that? Um, how can I armor them? How can I prepare them? I know when I was talking to Kean, he was talking about them being clear on their direction, um, mm. articulating what they want. Um, from your perspective, like what have you noticed about an artist that's really good to work with? Uh, I suppose an artist that knows what they want is always great. Like if they come in and if they're like, mm -hmm. I want to write a song about this, this is the sound palette. I want to do something like this. That's always amazing. But there are like new artists, let's say mm -hmm. that get signed off of TikTok and I might be writing with them for like over a year. And then by the time they actually start releasing music, it's completely different genre and everything. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's different mm -hmm. for everything. Sometimes you do have to explore because it's like, you might think this is what I want to do. I'm obsessed with this kind of music, but your voice might sound way better on this other type of song. So I think it is good to like mix it up and experiment at the start, but just like be open about yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Cause, cause part of evolving as an artist is just being in these sessions and doing this and kind yeah. of being flexible and open to where it might lead and getting somebody yeah. like you there, your input and say, oh, my God, I really hear your voice do this. Or I really mm. think your lyric style might suit this other thing. And I, yeah. I think, yes, yeah, some there, there's a balance to be struck that I'm trying to help them with in terms of like, have a hypothesis, have a theory about like what you want to sound like and who you want to be. But I was like, but, but mm. please be open to the journey of it because yeah. different things are going to happen along the way that might lead you in another direction that could be exactly what's meant for you. You don't know exactly and like music yeah. is cha changing so much like what they play on the radio like especially in the uk like it's just like mostly dance songs so it's like there's loads of these upcoming yes. like female singers that are on singing on dance tracks but then they might want to like move a little bit more pop but it's still good that they got their name out there through dance or whatever you know right totally mm. you need to be open to that stuff yeah and then what's like what's the hardest thing about doing your job hardest thing is that it's mostly no's like the amount of songs that I'll write I write down every I write down a list of the, every song that I write after every day um and some days it might be like three songs and then it's like most of these songs probably aren't going to get cut because how many other people in LA and everywhere are all trying to write if everybody's trying to get David Guetta's next single how many do they get sent like constantly? You know what I mean? And they can only pick what one every couple of months or something. Um, so it is really like wow. you just have to keep going and you never know which one is going to land. And it's like with me, I haven't had any hits yet, so I don't even know what that's like. But like, let's say a lot of my peers, like they're, they're all very successful and they're just like, it's going to be the most random song from like three years ago that that happens, you know? 
Oh my God. Again, yeah. like underlining the point that it's a numbers game. Like you just have yeah. to keep writing constantly. Yeah. Are they like writing their own music and something blows up on TikTok or did they just do a cover on TikTok or like who are these people that are being brought in and like mm. how can we maybe understand some of their success or how they got picked up by a publishing company like the company you work for? Um, I think like the main kind of thing is like originality and if you see any of the like the TikTok artists that did get signed, it'll always be something a little bit clever. If you only get 60 seconds in a TikTok or whatever, like let's say in 2020, it was all about like the countdown. So like Leah Kate had um, 10 things I hate about you. And it was like 10, you're selfish, nine, you're jaded. So like you will want to watch that and see down to number one. You know what I mean? Whereas if somebody mm -hmm. start, if, if I'm scrolling and I see a video and somebody's just like, I went out last night, I might be like, okay, I don't, I'm not really invested as much. Mm -hmm. Um, and then somebody comes through with like the most crazy melody or lyric or their voice is crazy. And it'll all, I feel like it will always connect if you just keep, again, putting, they're putting their videos out there. You know what I mean? If they kept them in drafts, then they wouldn't have got signed, but they are putting up these videos. Just like I said, you just have to keep writing songs. They keep putting up videos and one of them is going to blow up eventually if you're like good enough. Uh -huh. I know. Oh my God, it's so true. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that a lot of them know this, but they need to hear it all the time because yeah. I, I feel like they'll talk themselves out of doing it like, oh, but it's not for me. And I don't think that's me. Um, and it's so much of it is just fear and it's just self-protection and it's a fear mm -hmm. of failure. Um, but uh, and I'm recognizing the level of creativity and innovation that needs to be in your approach mm. to social media now. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just kind of manufacture and follow some rule book. Like you yeah. actually have to be genuinely innovative and creative, right? Mm. Yeah, and think outside the box. Like Keen Crow is a perfect example. He literally brought back a mm. flash mob and like all the people, <laughs> all the people that are on TikTok. I heard this crazy stat that only 10% of TikTok users have Instagram. So like 90% have even missed Instagram and just went straight to TikTok. Like that's how young they are. So oh, it's like wow. all these people might not even wow. know what a flash mob is. I know, crazy. It's like MySpace when I was getting on Facebook. It was like, oh, MySpace, whatever. <laughs> um, but like you just have to think outside the box and key in thought of that flash mob. And, you know, like even if I, even if I see somebody else do it now, I'm like, that was key and did that first. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Well, I, I I remember when he was a teenager and he used to have a YouTube channel and he was brilliant at doing like pranks on his YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So he's always been such a brilliant entertainer and like and then I remember when he started out on TikTok he used to do these things that was like uh, videos about what's annoying about living with girls. Yeah, yeah. And but you can just see I think the thing that's I'm I'm thinking now that I want to call the podcast like obsessed. Because everyone mm. I've talked to, you, to Kian, um, <laughs> Ryan, you're obsessive about it. It's like you're yeah. so single-minded and determined and preoccupied with it. And you're like, mm. I'll just keep sending the DMs. Oh, because I got to know. I, that's cool because at least I got a reply. Yeah. Like you're yeah. like a dog with a bone, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bill. Thank you so much. I loved chatting chatting to you today. Um, I know everybody's going to get a lot of value from it. And um, congratulations. And I'm wishing you all Thank the success for the future as well. Thank you very much. Cheers for having me. Nice one.